Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Namihinui and welcome. From RNZ National, here's our changing world. Kauri gum is an important part of New Zealand history. In the late 19th and early 20th century, gum diggers collected this resinous gum and sold it to be turned into varnish or linoleum. The finest pieces were polished and kept for their beauty. This kind of kauri gum was hundreds, maybe thousands of years old, and the prevailing wisdom was that New Zealand didn't have any amber, which is much older, fossilised tree resin. But a few years ago, University of Otago geologist Daphne Lee got thinking, and when she started looking, she realised that not only do we have amber here, but it sometimes contains stunning 3D fossils. I'm off to visit Daphne and postdoctoral researcher Uwe Kalfus to find out more about amber and what their Marsden-funded research is revealing about prehistoric New Zealand. Amber starts off, first of all, as gum um, exuding from a plant. So it's a plant resin, and uh, it's called resin when it's fresh. It's called copal when it's kind of sub-fossil. And when it's a bit older in geological terms, you call it amber. And that's the interesting material for preserving all sorts of things like insects and plant remains and fungi and delicate things that are just never preserved in any other situation. So it gives a picture of... uh, past that you don't get from any other source at all. So the amber that interests you, the amber that we've got on the table here, where does that come from? Oh, it comes from many different sites all across New Zealand, really. We went on field trips to the North Island, South Island, mainly Otago, and there are about 50 different sites now where we find New Zealand amber, mainly coal mines, but also all kinds of sediments. There's a big lump of it sitting on the table there. Does one of you want to describe that to me? It's actually one of the bigger pieces we find. Many of our amber samples or pieces are small drops or droplets, just a few millimetres in size. And it's one of the bigger pieces here. It's about 10 centimetres across. It looks like a cannonball. It looks like a cannonball. And I think it's still the original shape, the way it's sort of formed when it came out of the tree. And it's one of the rare cases where we find original shapes of the amber. And we've got bigger pieces up to 2.5 kilograms from some of the sites. So have we always known that we have had amber here, or is it only since you went looking for it? It's been known for a long time, but people would talk about cowrie gum. So everybody knows about the modern cowrie trees in the northern North Island and cowrie gum and so on. And when they saw these droplets of, you know, the sort of yellowy-brown material in coal mines, they would say, oh, there's cowrie gum there. But it wasn't until we started on our project um, about five or six years ago that I checked on the definition of amber and realised that what we'd called cowrie gum in inverted commas could be referred to as amber. And all of a sudden, kind of lights went on and I thought, amber, amber in other parts of the world has got all sorts of interesting things preserved in it. Why don't we have any in New Zealand? And I was at a conference in, I think it was in Hungary, actually, in Budapest, and I talked to uh, someone from Germany, um, Alexander Schmidt, who's now a colleague in this AMBER project, and I said, we have lots and lots of what 
you would call amber, and we've never managed to see any insects or anything in it. And he said, send me some pieces and I'll see what I can find. And so I sent him a few, um, just a few small bits, and fortunately we happened to send him some that had insect remains in it. And he's got a special method of preparing it that is not something that's easy to do in your own lab. He's got a special amber preparation lab. And um, he embeds the the amber sample in another resin and then it's polished and then he looks at it with special you know lighting and whatever and if you're really fortunate you see something with eyes and legs and whatever and whoa yeah, you've found I something i can remember the first fossil that he reported was a mite a tiny mite a quarter of a millimeter in size that's so you have to minute check the, the, yeah it's, it is and you obviously have to check the amber samples with a microscope it takes hours, it's time-consuming, but it's worth it. And he sent a photograph of the mite, and it was perfectly preserved, like three-dimensionally preserved. Uh, all the details there, even its gut contents preserved. So that's the type of quality of preservation you get in, in amber. Now, something I should mention, and the reason why nobody found or saw anything of interest in them. Um, New Zealand amber, in contrast to most of the other amber from other parts of the world, like the Baltic amber and Dominican amber, has got tiny bubbles in it, and that makes it opaque. And so people had looked at it and saw this sort of browny, opaque thing and thought, ah, oh, can't be anything in there. But they were, they were just well hidden. Why is amber so good at preserving these insects? It's resin. Um, things are attracted to it. It's sweet, I guess. It's sugary. Um, and um, it's soft and sticky. And so things like flies or ants or whatever are attracted to it. And then their predators maybe come to eat what's trapped on them. And then the, the tree that's producing the, you know, the, the drops of resin or, or little run of resin um, may have another drop will come over the top and, and then bury and preserve in three dimensions these trapped organisms. There are some blocks of amber from overseas which have got maybe hundreds of different inclusions. It just builds up over time. Yes, yes, and so you can have layer after layer. And, in fact, that's, that's really one of the things that's to look for. That's what we're really after, layered amber, which represents successive resin flows. So you get one flow of resin from a tree, and then it's exposed to the surface, and little bugs and, and flies get stuck to the surface. Then you get another amber flow covering the insects, and so on and so on. So there are basically trapped within a short time, within a second or a minute, then they get covered, and that's why we have this nice preservation with the insects. And so it's excluding them, oxygen really quickly, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yes, yes. that's the main, yes. main thing. And also amber doesn't compress very much um, over time. In our lake sediments we find uh, nicely preserved insects, but all of them are compressed down to tenths of a millimetre maybe, so they're all flattened. And in amber, we find insects that are preserved in, in 3D aspect. So you start off with something like that cannonball, but then, <laughs> then you have to sacrifice it. Yes, that's the problem. And so we're probably not going to break that one up. We're going no, to put please that don't. as a display specimen. So if we want to find fossils, we have to break the, the bigger chunks of amber into small pieces, a few millimetres in size, and then you can actually look through the amber pieces. That's how we find fossils. Actually, not us, students over in Germany, spending hours and hours screening little pieces of amber under the microscope, and every now and then they come up with a new, new fossil. Yes. But it's, it's time-consuming. Yes. It's quite tricky to get good photographs of the insects. And once we have photographs, we send photographs and the specimens to experts all around the world for mites and, and flies and spiders, spiders whatever. It's a 
long process. There are three fossil pseudoscorpions known from the southern hemisphere. They're not real scorpions in the sense that they don't have a sting. They're little ones, little micro predators and so on. And the person who works on them is Mark Harvey from Western Australia. And two of the three come from our amber. They're both completely different to any of the pseudoscorpions that have ever been reported from amber deposits in other parts of the world. So they're showing that even 20 million years ago, the insect biota of New Zealand, southern hemisphere, was quite different from that in the northern hemisphere, where most of the other amber samples that have been studied for nearly 200 years in some cases come from. Different, so, different to other places, but also to modern New Zealand. Some of the groups were more diverse back in the Miocene, it's the age about 20 million years ago, and they are now extinct in New Zealand. So you mentioned 20 million years there. What age range does your amber come from? It's actually surprising. And we have now collected amber from the late Cretaceous, some 70 million years ago, basically all the way up to modern cowrie gum. Yeah, I think, I think this is the only place in the world where you've actually got an um, almost continuous record like that. So one of the things that Uwe's been doing is visiting coal mines all over the country, trying to fill in the gaps. And just last week he was up at um, Melvin Hills in central Canterbury, hoping to find amber of Paleocene age. And we spoke to the geologists at the mine and said Uwe would be looking for amber. And he said, oh, I don't think we've got any here. Oh, we found lots of amber, actually. <laughs> I was surprised and it was a good, good field trip. But again, uh, just small amber droplets, a few millimetres in size, so they are hard to spot, especially in a coal bed. Now, the box we've got in front of us, where does all that amber come from? That's from Pomahaka. West Otago, not too far from Gore, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, the farmer there was extremely helpful and kind. He brought his sticker, it was just yeah. great, and he took <laughs> up this, this little pit, and there was amber everywhere, like carbonaceous mudstone, coal beds, and then these massive chunks of amber. Yes. That has yielded some interesting specimens, hasn't it? I think yeah. one of the pseudoscorpions and what else came from there? Cicada, was it? Or a, a, cicada. a cicada. First cicada and amber. And who knows what's still in here? I mean, so far we have insects or fossils from four different sites and we are hoping to find inclusions from other sites as well and also from different ages. So. And the other thing that we haven't yet got round to, we would like to compare what we find in this fossil amber with what lives in modern cowrie forests. And so we have got um, some samples, um, especially of the fungi, and we've been talking mainly about insects and there are spiders and things, but one of the other really important um, fossil groups here is fungi. Now, fungi are not very common as fossils because you can imagine, you know, pretty hard to preserve them, but New Zealand has a lot of sooty moulds. You see it in honeydew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. honeydew is it, that's it, yes. The fungi that cause those are present in the amber alongside the insects and so on. And some of the types of fungi that we find in the Miocene, so the 20 million year old or more, um, are almost the same as the ones in the modern cowrie forest. So that's a really interesting thing. And this is the first time those have been found fossil in the southern hemisphere. There are also other little soft-bodied things like nematodes, which you never find preserved. I mean, nematodes are some of the most abundant organisms on Earth, but to find them fossil you really require very special conditions. And there are some nematodes caught in spider's webs um, and also in, um, tangled up in fungal mycelium and some of the amber. So that's pretty special. I don't think we're going to be able to put a name on the nematodes. Pretty difficult to do that because you think of how small, small they are. But we actually have got whole bits of ecosystems preserved. So we've got the spiders, which are predators. They're spider's webs, bits of what they were 
preying on, caught in those, um, things that have got caught up accidentally. We've been talking a lot about kauri gum, so this is definitely all from kauri? That's an interesting question. It's definitely araucarian. I think most of it is kauri gum because if we took a piece of this and scratched it and you can smell the aromatic smell that you get from modern kauri gum. But back in the past, we also had araucaria, so like Norfolk pine and its relatives living here, and we have foliage and, and so on of those. There is not much difference in the pollen. The pollen that we find associated with this could be from Araucaria or from Agathis. The wood could be from Araucaria or Agathis. And we have a student, um, I have a student who's working on fossil wood at the moment, including some from these localities. And you can't really tell it apart. But the geochemistry or the chemistry of the resin. Points to Araucarian origin. But we have also uh, wood samples with amber associated, so amber attached to the original tree, mm. and that's podocarp wood. Some, some, yes, wood. so there so are some have other been different, yeah. different types of trees that produce yeah. the amber. Yes, but I still think most of it is agathis, but not the same modern species, a fossil species. We're talking about 20 million years ago or, or even more, so... We've seen insects and spiders and spider relatives. How many insects and spiders have you found? 80, 80 insects and spiders from Ember now, and uh, I think the number is growing. 80 doesn't sound much, but it's a lot. In, and they're almost year. all different, and they're all new to science, so, and not found in anywhere else in the world. So you know, these are really important in terms of trying to get a picture of the history of the New Zealand, the modern New Zealand biota. So amber is obviously a fantastic way of finding insect fossils, but they, I mean, they look so good it's hard to think of them as fossils. Yes. Um, but do you get insect and spider fossils from other locations in New Zealand? Yes, and we have got two of the best sites in the southern hemisphere, and Uva has been doing a huge amount of work here. And may I say that I've been looking at these sites for 10 years or more. I've found about three insects well, these two sites are ancient lakes, small volcanic lakes, and they have a very fine-grained sediment. And we've got now 220 insects from one of the sites uh, near Middlemar, Foldenmar, uh, Middlemarch. And we've got now 180 insects from another site uh, near Hinton, halfway between Dunedin and Middlemarch. So we're up to more than 400 insects now. Nearly 500, actually, if you add the amber the amber, ones. Nearly 500, and just to put it in the context, uh, before we started our research back in 2006, 2007, there were only six insects described from New Zealand, six fossil insects for a period of 250 million years. So not much at all. We are now up to 500. Still is a very low number compared to other places, but it's massive for, for New Zealand. Uwe has recently published some papers on fossil ants and fossil termites. So there are not many termites in New Zealand. No, there are not many ants in New Zealand. But we find lots of termites and, and different types of ants in our lake deposits. So the ants and termites were obviously much more diverse and more common in the Miocene some 20 million years ago. So that's some interesting result. Was it warmer then? It was warmer then, and we think that climate might be one, one reason why there are yeah. not many ants and termites in, in New Zealand. Yeah. The Southern Hemisphere is different from the Northern Hemisphere, and of course most of the work has been done in the Northern Hemisphere until fairly recently, but people are very interested in the Southern Hemisphere and the kind of the Gondwana story and so on. And every one of these insects is telling us a story that people just didn't know before. It's opening a completely new world of what was here in the past and 
what's still here and what's gone extinct and what's and changed why, and yeah. why. Like a jigsaw puzzle. Every small insect, every new fossil tells you something about the story, about the climate, about conditions, environment back in the, in the time. Thanks to Uwe Kalfus and Daphne Lee. They're in the geology department at the University of Otago and there are some photos of their amber treasures on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.